right, I'm reading Matthew 5, 3 through 8 this morning. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Everybody, how's it going? Uh, I am kind of excited about the message today um, because it really fits at the heart of who we are, of what I think um, we want to be as a church and as people. Um, so if you have your Bible, open it to Matthew chapter 5, um, and we're going to dig in. The biggest takeaway from this message today is that you would understand um, who you are and what that affords you. So who you are and, and what that affords you. Um, before we get to the, the beatitude that we'll study in depth this morning, I want to go back a bit and, and kind of summarize what we've learned up until this point. Because um, I think that the beatitudes are like gears um, and that they work together in each Beatitude is reliant upon the one that comes before it and the one that comes after it, just like a gear. So you think about gears that kind of fit together and turn and turn one another. They're each reliant upon all the other gears that are a part of the circle. Um, and the Beatitudes aren't any different. And so this one in particular, to fully understand, blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God, we really need to understand the first few that, have, that we've already talked about. So I've created a little paragraph, and I think that it's in your bulletin, and it's also going to be on the screen. Um, it, it looks like this, and in parentheses are the actual first portions of the Beatitude. You see your sin, in other words, poor in spirit, and then you mourn who you are. And that creates a humble confidence, meekness, that what is in you that as a value was placed there by God. I want you to see that, that poor in spirit and mourning and what you get as a result of those things are things that were placed in you by God and anything that's a part of you that's of any value is placed there by God. Anything that's a part of me that's of any value, that's of any help to anyone has been placed there by God and that creates this meekness and it's Poor in spirit creates mourning. Mourning, a, a poverty in spirit, mourning creates meekness. And someone who is meek is then a, a desire for more of Jesus. That's hunger and thirsting for righteousness. And all of this makes you aware that God is healing your affliction. Last week we talked that mercy means healing or helping someone in the midst of affliction. So all of these beatitudes work together like gears to rely upon each other. And so what we wind up with is this fully created person fully aware of their own sin and fully aware of what God has done to provide for that sin. And the result is someone that's pure in heart. Today we're talking about pure in heart. Um, if you have accepted Christ as your Savior, you are without question, without blemish, without any hint of a blemish, pure in heart. Um, 
and it gets kind of slippery and, and as you kind of tease that out and chase that out, and we'll talk about that this morning. But today, I want you to know more than anything that because of what Christ has done, you are completely and thoroughly pure in heart. So we're going to do some, some work today looking at, at words. The word pure is the Greek word katharos, and it means free from guilt, from sin and guilt. So Jesus says, blessed are the pure in heart. What he's saying, blessed are those who are pure in heart. And it's not all of the Beatitudes are, are like this. It's not if you do this, then God's going to do this. These are statements about the follower of Jesus. It's not an if-then statement. Because you are pure in heart, and you are pure in heart. Let me say that again. You are pure in heart in and through the work of Jesus. You can see God. But what does that mean? Pure, free from sin and guilt. You are free. You're not bound. Think about, consider these, these words outside of the context of, of church here. You're free. You're not bound. The effects of an offense no longer are binding to you. Think about someone that's in prison. They're in prison because they've done something wrong. If they're free from that, the effects of their offense no longer bind them. When you are pure, and again, you are pure. I'm going to be redundant today about that. You are free. You're not bound. The effects of your offense that, you, that have already been talked about, your, your sinful awareness of your sin, your poverty of spirit, and then the mourning that, that that causes, and then the meekness that that causes, and, and then the hunger that that causes, and then the mercy that that causes, all of that stuff works together to bring you to this place where you realize and you're fully aware, walking around this planet, in this earth, engaging in relationships, engaging with people, engaging your community with the full and complete knowledge that you are pure in spirit, that you are not bound by your sin and your guilt. Um, there's likely someone here today, likely someone who might hear this on a podcast later, that is bound and trapped in their shame, in their sin. There's likely someone who doesn't even realize they're bound and trapped by their shame and their sin. There might be somebody in your world who, who thinks that they're bound and trapped by their sin and their shame. But the declaration of Jesus Christ in the Beatitudes, and again, the Beatitudes are not some guy writing, and this is Jesus speaking these words, blessed are the pure in heart. Jesus proclaims purity. But what does heart mean? So if you're pure, you're free from sin and guilt, an offense that no longer affects or binds you. Heart, the Greek word cardia, is the fountain and seat of the thoughts, passions, desires, appetites, and affections. I want you to, to think about that. The fountain and seat, the place that from which all of your stuff begins, is your heart. The fountain and seat of your thoughts, your passions, your desires, your appetites, and your affections. These are all the places 
in you, these are all the things in you where sin is born. Think about the sin that you struggle with. Literally think about it. Consider that sin. The likelihood is that sin is birthed in, in thought, in passion, in desire, in appetite or affection. You can chase it to, to its core principle. That sin is birthed there. The pure in heart are not bound by the flow of those things. The pure in heart are not, you are not bound by your affection, by your appetite, by your desire, by your passion, by your thoughts. You're not bound by those things. Jesus has set you free from them. Um, Jesus has set you free from your sinful appetite, from your sinful desire. That's, um, that's really incredible news. And see, here, here's the thing that, like, it's, this setting is just kind of difficult because I've had the privilege and opportunity of, of being and dealing with this idea all week long. And I, because I've had the privilege of dealing with it all week long, this understanding that, that I am pure in heart and, and I'm not bound by my desires and by my passions and by my affections that I know I can't trust and are sinful. I'm not bound by those things. And because I know I'm not bound by those things, I can, I'm in a place of worship. Now you, aren't, you don't have the privilege that I have having dealt with this all week. But here's what I, what I want for you is to consider and allow this to sit in your, in your brain, in your, in your presence, in your being, in your, your soul, your, your person. And then when, you in, when sin tempts you or maybe even when sin trips you, I want you to hear this voice of Jesus Christ ringing in your head saying you are not bound by that affection, by that desire, by that passion, by that lust. You're not bound by it. You are pure in heart. This is where the slope gets slippery and it's hard to grasp because if you're not bound by your sin by the, the fountain from which all of these desires and sinful passions and, and all this stuff grows. If you're not bound there, then why do you still sin? That's a, that's a, that's a really hard question. Why do you still sin? Why do I still sin? Why do I, having dealt with this, walk through a week where I sin? I think it's because these beatitudes are cyclical. And when you are fully aware and engaged with the fact that you are pure in heart, and then you come to grips with the fact that you've sinned or you're struggling with a desire or a passion or, or a lust of some kind, you're thrown back to the very beginning. And so I want to put those in front of you again. The gears of the poor in spirit, all these things fit together. Each is thoroughly dependent and reliant upon the one before and the one after. You're pure in heart, yet you still sin. This causes you to go back to the beginning of the cycle of the Beatitudes. You see your sin. You are made aware that you are poor in spirit. 
and you mourn. You're broken. You're, you're hurt. You're mad at yourself. And that creates this humble sort of confidence that Jesus has paid for that. He's, he's finished that work. And then that creates a hunger. And then that hunger creates this desire to go out and heal and help other people in their affliction. To be mercy because God has shown you mercy. And then that creates this pure, purity of heart. And it's this continual cycle over and over and over again. It's a difficult thing to grasp. You are pure in heart because of what Jesus has done. That's already, it's true about you. But you are continually being made pure in heart by the work of the gospel. Not yet. Um, in Ephesians, the writer says that you are holy and blameless. In Romans, the writer proclaims that you have peace with God. In Colossians, the writer says that you have been reconciled to God. In Hebrews, six different times, it says that it's finished once and for all. I want you to like, I, I, I want you to hear that. Thinking about being pure in heart. Jesus has died once and for all. Once for all. It's finished. But it's also a continual thing. Martin Luther, his first of his 95 theses, said the entire life of believers is to be one of repentance. And that's where it's this, this continual battle, always. In Galatians, it says there's a continual battle between your flesh and your spirit. In Romans, it teaches you that you don't have the ability to do good. And you hate what's in you. But because of Jesus' work and his life, your heart remains pure and your invitation and access to God remains constant. In spite of our sin. Um, so I've come up with a few statements for us to, to wrestle with a bit. Pure in heart is a place that you live because of Jesus. I want you to see that and know that. Pure in heart is a place that you live because of Jesus. Pure in heart does not preclude you from sinning. You're still going to sin. Pure in heart is not lessened by your sin. Like that, I think that's the, that's the biggest and best one of, of all of these. Maybe the, the, the best thing for you to, to take away from today is that statement. Pure in heart, the fact that you are pure in heart is not lessened by your sin. Pure in heart is who you are. Uh, there is a concept that appears in the Old Testament, mostly in the book of Psalms, and it's a, a Hebrew word called selah. Has anybody ever heard that word before or seen it? In the Psalms, S-E-L-A-H, Selah, and it just means to stop and consider what God has placed before you. And I think that this may be something we do with some sort of consistency around here, but uh, like moving forward. And so I, I want to I take just a second, and uh, if it's awkward for you, then uh, I'm sorry, but I, 
I'm not, I'm not sorry enough to not do it. Um, but I, I want you to, to look at these, these statements that are up here and, and the things that I've said and, and defining these words pure and in heart and, and consider them and understand. And for me, I'm going to process through the third one. Pure in heart is not lessened by your sin. I just want you to stop for a moment and be with God and consider this. God, I thank you for the fact that you've made us pure in heart. Lord, I pray that you would teach us how to rest in our purity of heart, Father. And I, I ask that you would teach us how to deal with coming to a place where we recognize our own sin, Father. God, would you teach us how to deal there, how to how to repent, how to mourn. But God, would, would that repentance and that, would that mourning and with that realization of our poverty, would it, God, would it not keep us from pursuing you, from entrance into your presence, Father? God, I pray for those here. Lord, help us. Help us to see our sin. God, show us our sin. But God, show us your beautiful gospel. And then send us on mission with that, Father. God, thank you for these beautiful words of your son, Jesus. Connect all of our being with these ideas. That our, the purity of our hearts is not changed by our sin. Because you've died once and for all. It's complete. It's sufficient. Thank you for Jesus. And thank you for this opportunity this morning to practice Selah before you. It's in Christ's name that I pray. Amen. Hope that wasn't so bad for you. Um, maybe later I'll get the courage to go even longer with a, a Selah. Uh, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God let's look now at what that means to see God see is the Greek word horao which means to see with the mind to perceive and to know to see with the mind perceive and to know this is incredible that we have a God who is eminently knowable and more than that, not just knowable, but has done so much for you to be able to know him and engage with him. That's, that's knee-buckling to me. Like, consider the God of the universe has done so much 
so that you might know him. He's eminently knowable. I want to bring three passages of scripture real quick talking about knowing God. First is Ephesians 2, 4, 5, and 6. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he has loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And here's the, the no part. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Pure in heart means, and God has made you pure in, Jesus' work has made you pure in heart. And because you are pure in heart, the benefit of that is you get to engage with God. You, in the midst of your anxiety and stress and, and lust and your gossiping and your, your, your desire to want to tear other people down and, and all of those things. I'm trying to hit on the sins that, that may or may not be present in your lives. Anxiety, anxiousness, fear, whatever's going on in your world. In that moment, you are pure in heart. And because you are pure in heart, you have complete and utter access to the Father. You are literally, you're, you've been raised up with Christ and seated next to God. You're seated next to God. That is, that's powerful and power giving to you. In the midst of your sin, that's who you are. Romans 5, 1 through 2. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Look at this next phrase. Through him, through Jesus, and his, the purity of heart that he's given to us, we have also obtained, and that word from previous study, we've learned that it just means it's a possession that's ours that can't be taken from us. Through Jesus, we have a possession that's ours that cannot be taken to us, which gives us access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. The, the whole of that verse, Jesus has done something to make you pure in heart for all times, once and for all. And what that affords you is access to God for all times, once and for all. And what that affords you is great glory, rejoicing in hope and the glory of God. Put a smile on your face. It goes back to blessed. This whole verse starts out with blessed. Happy, full, complete, satisfied, lacking nothing. This is you. Happy, complete, satisfied, lacking nothing because you have access to God. And here's a verse that I found this week just reading through, uh, systematically reading through the Psalms. Psalm 16, 11. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand there are pleasures forevermore. So many times when Jesus is speaking, he's really just reiterating a psalm. And I believe firmly that this verse, this 
Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God, is a reiteration of this. You have made known to me the path of life. The path of life is Jesus. The purity of heart, Jesus has accomplished it. That's the path of life. You have made known to me. You and I have been made known that Jesus is the path of life. And the resulting factor, the thing that happens because of that, is we get to be in the presence of God. And in the presence of God is fullness of joy. And again, it's an already not yet peace. We can know this in part, but one day we'll know in full this fullness of joy. Think about this complete, completely and utterly satisfied. And this is what Jesus offers to you. Complete and utter satisfaction, fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. And our own, the only thing we're doing here in this purity of spirit to get to see and experience and have access and engage with God that gives us pleasure forevermore and full and complete satisfaction, the only thing that we do is just be aware of it. You have one enemy, and his name is Satan, and the only thing that he can do to you is get you to believe something that's not true. And Satan's biggest lie that he tells you is you've got to do something to gain this access to God. And the, the plain truth is no. Purity in spirit is something that you own. It's, it's obtained by Christ and given to you freely. When Jesus says to his disciples on that mountaintop, blessed are the pure in heart, he's not saying, hey, if you would only be a little bit more pure in heart, you would be happy. No, what he's saying is because of what I am going to do and who I am and how much I love you, you are now pure in heart. So when you deal with your sin, when you process your sin, your anxiety, your, your lust, your gossip, your Comparison, all of these things, when you deal with that in that moment, hear Jesus say, pure in heart. And then hear Jesus say, you have complete and utter access to God by me because of what I've done. There's nothing to do other than be aware. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy, and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. I'm going to memorize this verse and put it in my phone to go off daily. You've made known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Pray with me if you would. God, I thank you for the strength of your son Jesus and his work. God, I thank you for the fullness of your mercy and your grace. Thank you that you are so good 
God, I thank you that you would use failed people that have gathered together in a failed church to plant the gospel deep into our souls, Father. You are such a good God. God, convince us of the truth that you've spoken to us. That you have made known to us the path of life. And that knowledge has ushered us, has guided us, has taken us into your presence where there is fullness of joy and pleasure forevermore. God, give us an appetite for pleasure. Give us a hunger for pleasure, Father. God, help us to see the hunger for pleasure that you've given to us as a gift Jesus.